Illinois Glass Company, developers of Duraglass containers, in cooperation with the United States government, presents a new radio program dedicated to the health and happiness of wartime America. Each weekday at this time, you will hear your home front reporter, Fletcher Wiley, with David Brookman's music, our singing tenor star, Frank Parker, and the lovely soprano voice of Eleanor Stever of the Metropolitan Opera. your program, Mrs. America, presented by Owens, Illinois. Two of the nation's favorite voices to bring you the best in musical entertainment and your favorite radio visitor to keep you in touch with the home front in wartime, your home front reporter, Fletcher Wiley. Thank you, you Conover. You remember to tell him I want a higher table. I can't get back big, long legs under this one. And the best of the day to all of you out there. Well, here we go in the second lap of this particular opera. And I'm glad to say that I'm still in the commentator's heaven. You can't send in anything and get anything in return for it. We're going to try and continue to keep you posted, and I'll have to explain this the first few shows we have, and then I promise to cut it out because it doesn't interest me either. But I want to explain to you that this is a show for your benefit calculated to try and help you. This show is to help people, the government, the Red Cross, all of the organizations that are trying to help us do a good job. We are inclined to want to uh, hurt a few of them, too. We don't carry any particularly... Excellent wishes for little Tojo sitting on his island in the Pacific. Or Mr. Gruber sitting on his mountain. And if we can do a little something along that line to bring about the day to which we're all looking forward, why, we haven't done so bad. Besides which, we have a little entertainment on this show, some good music. And to start the music off, uh, we have the personable personality of uh, Eleanor Stieber. She's daring me to do something I'm going to do a little bit later on, too. You know, the song that Eleanor is going to sing is a song that is particularly dear to me. Out in California, there's a very lovely old little lady who sang this song to me when I was a kid. You know, Eleanor sings it almost as sweetly. It's, remember, just a song at twilight. David Brookman starts her off.
Well, let's see what we have from the man down in Washington. First, because there's so much good news in the general news from abroad, I would like to repeat a little quotation that a chap by the name of Polybius made 125 years before the birth of Christ. It's something to bear in mind at these times when you're inclined to get a little too optimistic. He said, It is no doubt a good thing to conquer on the field of battle, but it needs greater wisdom and greater skill to make use of victory. And the Japs have a a little proverb that we might bear in mind. There's an old Jap proverb that says, After a victory, tighten your helmet strap. So, uh, don't get too optimistic. There's a lot left to be done. It will be done. But you want to bear in mind that it has to be done, and it hasn't been done yet. Well, here's the dope. There are a lot of spuds, new white potatoes coming in the market, and there are lots of grain peas. According to the information we get down there, they're moving in car lots. They've been classified as victory foods, and they should be on your table. They're good food, and the government's putting on a very brisk drive to combat any attempt to create a black market in early crop potatoes. And you may rest assured that violators of the prices, as outlined under the new rulings, will be saying, good morning, judge. I sincerely hope that you might make it possible for one of them to put out that greeting yourself. Don't spare the horses. Also, if you've been worried about how you're going to get up in the morning, they're cutting the rope that's been tying up all the alarm clocks. For a dollar and sixty-five cents, you'll be able to be miserably unhappy every morning on time now, presently. That's uh, plus taxes, state and local and stuff. Of course, you've got about a five-to-one chance to get yours. I think they're going to make a million seven hundred and fifty thousand out of normal ten million news. Did you realize that many people had to be nudged to get them up in the morning? Ten million of them? And I don't imagine it's getting any better. The price control thing, which we discussed a little bit yesterday and which we'll discuss some more, is making rapid headway and will very soon be effective for you and for all of us all over the country. And it's going to be up to you to see that you are not overcharged, and it's going to be up to you to do one more thing in cooperation with the government, and that is to perhaps change the eating habits in your own home. You know, eating is largely a question of habit. You get into some sections of the country and they relish things that you wouldn't even mention in polite society in this section. And it's amazing how easily we switch over. One of my pet stories is the story of the woman that had the cat that wouldn't eat anything but sardines and hard-boiled eggs. Finally decided to leave town and tried to give the cat away, and nobody wanted a cat with that expensive an appetite. So they finally very hard-heartedly moved out of the village and left this cat. After been gone about 30 days... My dad did this. He came home and he said to my mother, you remember that cat that wouldn't eat anything but sardines and hard-boiled eggs? He said, yes. He said, I just saw him out in the alley chewing on a bootleg. And you know, there are a lot of us that can change our eating habits if we have to, and your family is no exception. 
And this is a very good time to require them to change some of those eating habits. Just introduce them to it, and there's nothing else there. They'll move in and do their stuff in a very satisfactory manner. Now, let's have a little more music. Frank, come on, get up. It's about time for you to go to work. Frank and uh, Dave Brookman have cooked up something this time. Do you like The Night is Young and You're So Wonderful? said that when Miss Steber walked up the microphone a little while ago, she reminded me of something she did. She reminded me that I had a message to deliver to the ladies about stockings. Did that come out of me? <laughs> there goes Parker. Well, I'll tell you, I want to assure you that you can stop pestering all your friends who come to the big city 
about would they please bring you back some nylons, give up. It's, they're having just as tough a time here as they're having in your town. And about the best satisfaction that I've been able to dig out is that if you wash the rayons and let them dry for about 36 hours, they don't give you that stocking at Christmas time with an orange in it effect that uh, sometimes complain about. Let them dry about 36 hours and they don't stretch so much. Now, there's a household hint that if you're not already aware of, will do you some good. <clears throat> that uh, came direct from Grandmother Arkansas, who insisted that I get it in here. That's our producer, in case you didn't know. You know, I read an interesting little story about trees. Trees and snobbery. I was reading a yarn about the famous trees we have in this country, about the Washington elm and the William Penn elm. That was the one that the treaty between the Quakers and the Indians has made. The only treaty never sworn to, never broken, so history says. We've heard about the Charter Oak and the Emancipation Oak. But uh, I wonder if you've ever heard of one of our most famous trees. This is a little story about a handful of acorns that were sent by the former Tsar Nicholas II of Russia to Theodore Roosevelt when he was president of this country. The gift was brought by our then ambassador when he returned to this country, and there was quite a yarn in connection with it. Alexander was one of the greatest of the... or Alexander I, back in... Well, I think his reign ended in about 1825. He was one of the greatest of the czars. And at the time of the reign of Alexander I, we had a kind of a pompous fathead who was our minister over there, very much on dignity and manner and prestige and stuff and things. And one day, an American sailor boy came in to see him, just an ordinary sailor off a boat. He'd made a trip of ten days to the capital to be ushered into the presence of this pompous old windbag. And he got in there and explained that he wanted to see the czar. He'd brought a gift from the czar, some acorns that he'd gathered at Mount Vernon, Washington's home. And he'd heard that Alexander was a wise and kindly man and that he'd had a great admiration for Washington and he'd brought him over this gift. And the minister practically blew his top. That was just ridiculous. Sailor, get in to see the czar of all the Russias? Uh-uh. So the minister shooed him out of there. A couple of mornings afterwards, he got up and went over and opened the blinds and looked out, and here's a great big carriage all done up with gold and gilt and with about four outriders and about four footmen and beautiful black horses and a military escort. Minister thought the czar must have come to call on him with such a great display, and the door opens, and out gets his sailor kid. Comes in, pays a little call on him, told him he just thought he'd drop by. He'd been up to see the czar, and the czar had given him his carriage in order to look the community over. It seems the kid went up and bumped into an officer at the gates of the palace, and the fellow was kind of kindly looking, went up and told him his story, and the officer said, come with me, took him into the inner gardens, introduced him to the czar, and the czar took this little handful of acorns the kid gave him and went in and planted, took the youngster right with him, and planted these acorns in the royal ground. 
And you know those acorns that were planted by the first Alexander were the ones that came back as a present to Theodore Roosevelt subsequently, having made the trip from this country to Russia and back again. The object in telling that story at this particular time on my part is simply to maybe help all of us to kind of deflate a little bit. This is no time for being ultra-pompous. Let's see what I've got here now. Oh, yeah. You know, out in California, we have a chap by the name of Jerome Kern. Writes quite some songs. Songs we don't forget, like Why Do I Love You from Showboat. That's a duet, they tell me. So, Eleanor Steber and Frank Parker, take it away. It's all yours. I picked up a little pointer in a door of glass ad in Collier's a couple of weeks ago. How's about you going over and digging into that box under the sink, the one with the catch that's hard to work, and getting out those hoarded-up milk bottles you've got there and giving them back to the milkman? He can use them. 
And uh, you really have no particular use for them. They save man hours, labor, and materials that are needed at this time. So come on, and will you really give? And if tonight you're planning to curl up in front of the radio, here's a little suggestion that you uh, tune in on Al's Ocean's show. Al's got uh, Mr. Beaver, the man who came to dinner, Monty Woolley with him. Give a listen, and you'll like. And don't forget to listen to us tomorrow, too. This is Fletcher Wiley saying thank you and good afternoon. Tomorrow at this same time, Owens, Illinois, developers of Duraglass containers, in cooperation with the United States government, sends you another of these programs dedicated to the health and happiness of wartime America. With songs by Eleanor Stever and Frank Parker, music by David Brookman, and Mrs. America's favorite visitor, Fletcher Wiley, your home front reporter. Hugh Conover speaking. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you.